young nostalgia were rating pending. Let's take a look. <laughs> Welcome back to Young Nostalgia. I'm Nolan. As always, Ben is beside me, and we are self-quarantining because we hate dealing with the public. Ben, how you doing today, big guy? <laughs> I'm doing good. Yeah, it has nothing to do with coronavirus. It's just the dislike of people in general. So. <laughs> right. At, <laughs> at least you and I talk remotely, so we have no fear whatsoever of being infected. So we are absolutely good here. Thank you so much for joining us for another fabulous week of another fabulous podcast, Young Nostalgia, episode 89 coming to you. Kind of uh, jumping off the tail end of last episode, it would be kind of cool to continue that kind of um, – Hollywood-esque feel. So this week we're actually going to be talking about the motion picture production code that was highly enforced throughout the mid-30s up through around the early 60s, and it kind of laid the groundwork for uh, what we look at in terms of ratings for movies nowadays. Obviously not as strict, um, just because the times are changing, but um, it was definitely an interesting time to see what this uh, code came up with and why it was enforced in the first place so coming off of that thank you so much for everyone out there for your support it's been great just uh, being on anchor since june of last year we've had almost 1600 plays um and it's been great to keep you guys coming along with us anchor's been good to us uh we're glad we found that platform we also appreciate everyone interacting with us on twitter uh we had somebody comment saying that they enjoy our chemistry and hey that means a lot and they also told me p.s keep your window rolled up but we're not going to revisit that nightmare (laughs) (laughs) so Uh, i was hoping you would forget about that but you probably didn't oh no absolutely not i was actually going to ask you about like you know springtime coming up roads getting a little bit better wondering if you were going to hit the old car wash again I'm getting nervous. <laughs> Too much pressure. <laughs> it's crazy. But we do hope that everyone is staying safe out there. It is kind of a manic uh, panic out there. Um, actually, like we didn't even know how big this was going to get. And I can't remember the last time we bought toilet paper, but we got a Costco-sized toilet paper. Mm. So we've been doing okay ever since the uh, entire thing corona covid19 blew up so we're okay right now and then we also have a costco sized uh paper towel bag so in case we run out of toilet paper i mean our butts might hurt a little bit but paper towels will still do the job (laughs) you'll get the job i wonder wonder how the uh the market for bidets are going right now (laughs) yeah ours is on back order (laughs) people gonna People are going to start moving towards bidets instead of TP. Right. Oh, my God. Amazon has a BOGO sale right now. <laughs> Not really sure why you need more than one at a time. <laughs> Look, don't question my habits, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's, not really kind of a, it's not really a buddy system kind of activity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is awesome. <laughs> Oh Maybe my we should God. move You've on. Been doing okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Should we just start the episode? Let's do it. I think that's a perfect, a perfect time. Episode eighty nine coming your way. All right. Let's kick.
kick it off. Uh, I'll just do these first few bullet points as background to what the motion picture product uh, production code was, and then Ben, you'll uh, kick us off with that first paragraph and then the points after that. Uh, okay, so background for the motion picture production code. Uh, the motion picture production code here, let me just say it at least six <laughs> times so people know what we're talking about, um, was the set of industry moral guidelines, per se, that was applied to most U.S. motion pictures released by major studios from 1934 to 1968. Um, it was known as the Hayes Code after Will H. Hayes, who was actually the president of the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America. And then that name was eventually changed to the Motion Picture Association of America um, with the changing of the codes as well. The production code was adopted in 1930, but it wasn't actually fully and rigidly enforced until mid-1934, where um, kind of films were taking a turn, being a little bit more prominent, uh, and then the code was enforced to keep the um, morals of the U.S. citizens high. (laughs) The production code spelled out what was acceptable and what was unacceptable content for motion uh, motion pictures produced for public audience throughout the country. And one of the big things that really pushed these laws to be so enforced was the um, more commonly used sound production. So, you know, throughout the early 1900s, it was mainly just black and white background music, no dialogue really, but once movies started opening up the technology to be able to include sound and include dialogue, um, it was harder to, you know, limit what they say. And, you know, obviously people, life, anytime, throughout any decade can be very provocative or against morals of the dated time that this was. So obviously people were freaking out saying, oh my God, Johnny said damn. So yeah, and then that's why this came about. Yeah, and we'll kind of get into it a little bit more uh, later, but there was some of the issues that we had and that brought brought forth this production code um, was actually what was being shown on film, but it was, as we'll see, it's kind of, it was a little bit more focused on audio and what could be said, what couldn't be said, what you had to be careful talking about, um, which is kind of interesting, which is, you know, it's, it's kind of opposite of what we would see today where it's more of what can't be shown and what can't be shown. Right. Yeah. Pretty much anything can be said at all. (laughs) Right. And like, yeah, nowadays it's kind of like how much can you get away with without like reaching that R rating, you know, like, Oh, you can have one F bomb. Or you can have one S bomb or whatever. Yeah, and I think but then if you go past that, then you're PG thirteen or R or something like that. Right. I think. I mean, you know, there's there's a bunch of weird rules, and that's probably a, a fantastic topic to talk about in a later show. We talk about the old production code as you know, and then we'll talk about the new code, uh, the new rating system. Um, but it, it's so goofy now to where it seems like yes, there's limits on how many times a word can be said, but sometimes it almost seems like. There's limits as to who can say it too. It's almost like if it's a a super main character like the lead can say more get away with more things than like a smaller character in a movie. Um, oh, I see. What you're it just seems like there's it's such a huge gray area, um, right? As to what what can be done, what can't be done, as opposed to this earlier uh, production code 1930, which was it's pretty explicit what 
you can do and can't do. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> nice word of explicit. I like that. <laughs> Thanks. I thought it would apply yeah. pretty well. <laughs> right. <laughs> thought that out way beforehand. All right, uh, big guy. What's up? So uh, the film industry followed the guidelines set by the code well into the late 1950s. Um, but around this time, the code began to break up a little bit just due to the combined impact of television. Um, a lot of influence from foreign films that weren't really subject to this code. Um, as well as controversial directors pushing the boundaries, um, and surprisingly enough, intervention from the courts, uh, which is actually including the Supreme Court. Um, in 1968, after several years of extremely minimal enforcement, the production code was replaced by the MPAA film rating system, which is what we have today. Right. So kind of uh, backtracking a ton, uh, talking about the idea behind the production code, Hollywood in the 1920s was rocked by a number of uh, notorious scandals, such as the murder of William Desmond Taylor um, and the alleged rape of Virginia Rapp uh, by popular movie star Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle. Um, And I did look up uh, both of these individuals, uh, (laughs) Rass... Roscoe Arbuckle, he he wasn't called fatty for no reason. <laughs> he was a very, very the... large man. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, big chubby face on him. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Um, <clears throat> which, of course, brought widespread bad press from both, uh, well, from all religious, civic, and political organizations. Um. Moving forward a little bit in 1922, several risque films and a series of off-screen scandals involving Hollywood stars. Um, All of the major studios enlisted Presbyterian elder Will H. Hayes to rehabilitate Hollywood's image. Um, Hayes was paid the sum of $100,000 a year, uh, which is equal to basically $1.5 million today. Right. Which Nuts. is, yeah, that's insane. A hundred thousand dollars is a lot of stinking money in 1922. Right. Um, right. Hayes served for 25 years as president of the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America, or the MPPDA, where he defended, or where he quote defended the industry from attacks, recited soothing nostrums, and negotiated treaties to cease hostilities. Unquote. It was almost like he was just like the public information officer for Hollywood um, and almost just like he would be the one to step in first. You know, if somebody was caught drunk in public or something, he would step in and pull the actor or actress aside and be like, hey, get your crap together. And we'll be like, you know what? We take um, acknowledge of this situation and we are remedying it so that they're not a menace to society more. Like pretty much just putting a bandaid over the wounds and making Hollywood look good again was his job which is crazy yeah that's a that's that's a fantastic way to describe his job he was basically like a public rep a public representative right out of uh, like you know for people that usually don't even have a chain on them you know like nobody was reeling them back they were they were famous they were stars they were creating entertainment nobody knew what to do in a situation like that where these people were kind of untouched in a way right and and as it's kind of a weird industry in that 
you know, for the most part in your and my daily jobs, we go to work, we do our jobs, we come home, we can do whatever we want at home. Uh, within reason, of course. Um, <laughs> but someone, even Hollywood in the twenties, um, you go to work, you come home and you're basically still at work because you're a public image literally everyone in the United States recognizes you everyone and everyone in the United States and a lot of people worldwide right. recognize you. So, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're at work or not. You're basically a public face for the industry, right. which is kind of the underlying problem. Well, it's not really a problem. The underlying reason why all of this was coming to a head <clears throat> mm-hmm. So in 1924, Hayes introduced a set of recommendations dubbed, quote, the formula, unquote, which the studios were advised to heed and asked filmmakers to to describe to his office the plots of pictures they were planning on making. So this basically, in short, this is everyone, producers had to ask permission to make a movie. Right. And like what what is this movie going to look like and before you get the okay? Yeah, what's the plot? How are you going to do it? What types of things are you going to be showing? Who's in the movie? What are they saying? Um uh, basically, I mean this is it doesn't sound like much, but it that's a huge limit on uh on the producer and director side. Um to have to right. ask permission for everything that they do. <clears throat> Right. And then like to almost be like, no, scratch this. You can't do that. Nope. Don't do that. That looks bad on us. And then they have to go back to the drawing board and, you know, maybe start from square one or who knows what. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we won't we won't really end up getting too much into this because we're kind of focusing mainly on just the on the production code. But this kind of thing did not go over well with directors and producers. Um, You know, it's basically like someone coming in and telling you how to do your job. Right. You know, <laughs> hey, you're not allowed to do that or you can't do that. You're doing it wrong. You know, right. no one likes no one likes that. <clears throat> yeah, Ben, you're pretty bad at this. You should stop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks, man. Yeah. Tell hey, me how to do my job. <laughs> um, although in, in individual states, uh, they had censorships, censorship boards in place. Uh, they were largely ineffective in combating the way movies de- would depict. Wow. <clears throat> so individual states had censorship <laughs> boards, um, but it was kind of hard to control anything across state lines because all these states had different boards in place. And it seems like n- you could just make something and release it in a different state that had different board values. So it really didn't do anything. Um for example, New York uh, was notable of having a lot of topless women, curse words on stage and in film, and <laughs> uh, sexually suggestive language. Uh, this led to the thought of what is acceptable in New York may not be quite as acceptable in Kansas. So that's kind of what I was getting at with, you know, it doesn't really matter what each state allows on their censorship board because whoever you can just make anything you want and then just find a state that will allow it and then release it through that state. Right. And then you kind of look at it where, you know, if you take even back then you take New York versus a place like Kansas, New York has always been a place of, 
Um, you know, this is where it kind of starts. This is big time. This is showbiz. But in Kansas, it's a lot more conservative, a little bit more delayed in terms of uh, popular culture and kind of where the world is heading. Mm-hmm. So obviously, what's happening in New York is going to look a lot more flashy and kind of appalling in a place like Kansas. Mm-hmm. So, And that's kind of what was happening is that nothing was cohesive enough to make one form of media acceptable everywhere. Right. And it's, I mean, that, we even see that today. I'm sure that listeners can relate to that. It, it, you can pretty much from coast to coast, any, any new ideas, anything moves inward, you know, it gets right. popular on either the East coast or the West coast. And that trend generally moves inward. That's not always the case, but it's, it happens a lot. And this is not really an exception to that kind of rule. Right. <laughs> So to kind of combat some of these problems, in 1927, Hayes suggested to studio executives that they form a committee to discuss film censorship. So Irvin G. Thalberg of Metro-Golden-Mayer, Saul Wurzel of Fox, E.H. Allen of Paramount, um, all responded by collaborating on a list they called the Don'ts and Be Carefuls. Uh, which was based on items that were challenged by local censor boards. There we go. They pretty much came up with the censorship. And, I mean, these names were huge names for the business. Just look like Fox, MGM, Paramount. Like, those were the names that were creating feature films. So if anybody had authority on this, I feel like it was them. So that's kind of cool. Exactly. I mean, you might as well... You might as well go right to the top and have everyone on board with whatever's going on because it's going to be a long fight to start from the bottom up on something like this. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) And I love it that they just call it the don'ts and be carefuls. So we're going to break that down for you. Um, And kind of what actually gave this sort of code and unification of what to do or what to be careful on um, was actually that it was approved by a federal authority, the FCC or Federal Communication um, Commission actually approved of these 11 subjects that were the don'ts and be carefuls. And they are pointed profanity by either title or lip. Um, So either whether it be spoken or written or, you know, suggested, any of that probably shouldn't do it. This includes words like God, Lord, Jesus, Christ, Unless they uh, were being used, you know, reverently in connection to what a religious ceremony would be portrayed as in the movie, then it was fine. Um, no words like hell, damn, God, like G-A-W-D, um, and every other profane and vulgar expression, however it may be spelled um, when it pertains to pointed profanity in terms of religious or, you know, civic movements or something like that. Um, any... Uh, li- licentious or suggestive nudity so in fact uh you know there's no shadow silhouette of somebody being naked or any um other lacorious uh, or notice thereof of any characters in the picture such as like paintings or something weird like that couldn't be suggestive of somebody uh either taking off their clothes or being par- partially nude like that kind of stuff nope put an axe on that uh no illegal traffic for drugs. So that's kind of interesting. So pretty much all plots of movies have no point now. 
<laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it feels, it's just like reading this kind of stuff is like all of these are broken in almost every single big box movie nowadays. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of, I'm reading ahead of you on the list and I, I can't think of any movie that, okay. I can't think of any movie that's not like a children's movie um, from the past 10 years that doesn't have all of these. Right. You know, not just some <laughs> hey. of them, but all of them. All of them. <laughs> if you think of a movie that, uh, that doesn't have any of these, give us an email at youngnostalgiapod at gmail.com. We'll make sure to uh, relay that in the next episode. <laughs> it's crazy. Okay, so uh, no illegal traffic of drugs. That includes Advil. Um, any uh, inference of sex perversion. So anybody remotely even interested in seeing a silhouette of a naked person? Nope. Get that shit out of here. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, white- <laughs> no. We're going to get fined by the FCC now. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, um, no white slavery. Uh, mis, mis, uh, mis, mis, uh, no sex relationships between the white and black races. On <laughs> Miscenogenation. Um, uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um Sex hygiene and venereal venereal diseases. So you got to make sure uh, you can't be naked. But if you are, you better be clean. And you better um, not be talking about of, VD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, scenes of actual childbirth. In fact... Um, you know, whether it be someone actually doing it or even a silhouette, um, it's nuts that they eat, like include silhouettes in this, mm-hmm. um, you know, children's sex organs, ridicule of any clergy by any, uh, happenstance and then willful offense to any nation, race or creed. So, you know, no satirical humor, anything like that. Um, geez, man. So what does this come down to? Yeah, what were you allowed to make a movie about? God, maybe, okay, like, <laughs> the movie of somebody sleeping. I don't know. But they better not be sleeping in the same bed as somebody else. Right. But, yeah. No, I mean, oh my God, we're, we're obviously kidding because movies were still made and they were still good. Um, you know, we're not saying that at all, but, you know, we're just kind of, we're trying to relate this to the current atmosphere in movie making <laughs> movie making Wait, did, did you did you hear that i heard about this uh, i was listening to a podcast and apparently sleep streaming is a big thing now what? where you can hop on yeah yeah you hop on and somebody is sleeping and you just watch them sleep like i don't know if it's some sort of weird like fetish thing or what but that's they're weird just sleeping that yeah. makes me uncomfortable i know i know <laughs> But I, I'm going to try my first one. You can follow the link down in the show description and watch me sleeping tonight and let us know what you think. That's funny. No, I mean, I guess for the people who are actually streaming themselves sleeping, I mean, it's ridiculous that you would allow that invasion of privacy anyway. Right. But I can't fault them because, you know what? If you find a way to make money, then by all means, make that money. <laughs> but right. it's the weirdos out there who actually want to watch it. Uh-huh. The like, ones that like actively seek it. That's yeah, nuts. It's like just like, stop. <laughs> like, do you have to have a nightlight on or is it just pitch black and you just know someone's there sleeping? 
I would assume um, it's I probably like an, like an infrared kind of thing. Right, right. That's I creepy. I wonder how they do like commercial breaks, you know? Like the person's not going to wake up and be like, you know, Charmin Ultra Strong, now better than ever, and then <laughs> fall back to sleep. Like, no, that's not. Well, I would, I don't know. I would imagine there. it's either set up to where there's in-feed uh, advertisements like YouTube. Oh, okay. Or I, I would, I actually would, I would, I would more assume that it's a uh, paid subscription kind of thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Honestly, it would be really funny though if the ad would just play loud and just wake the person up and just scare the hell out of them. <laughs> that that, or they had to set an alarm clock at you know at, at certain intervals and do live reads. Right, live reads. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny. Yeah, they'd be like sleepy eyed, like. Oh, I got to right. take off the CPAP machine so I can read the thing. <laughs> yeah, the CPAP machine <laughs> tries to read it with it on. That's great. Honestly, I think we're onto something. Like, you know, we can use humor as weird as it is. We could use humor. <laughs> I like it. I think we just started oh, I know. a new you market. You and I can do one together. That's kind of weird. <laughs> okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. So, am I moving forward with <laughs> moving Brent's on? Just gonna act like that. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> uh, so, moving towards the actual creation of the code, um, creators were particularly concerned with the effects of sound film on children, whom they considered especially susceptible to their allure. <clears throat> so the code allure. was allure. Allure. <laughs> so the code was divided into two parts um the first was a set of general principles which prohibited a picture from quote lowering the moral standards of those who see it <laughs> that's about as subjective as it possibly gets <laughs> yeah, right, um, right. <laughs> so as not to wrongly influence a specific audience of views including Women, children, lower class, and those of susceptible minds uh, called for depictions of the correct standards of life and lastly forbade a picture to show any sort of ridicule towards a law or, quote, creating sympathy for its violation. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm just... None of this just makes no sense nowadays, you know? Right. You know, I, I get the... Correct uh, standards of life. Yeah, I get the influence um, influence of views for women, children, lower class, blah, blah, blah. I get the uh, forbidding uh, any ridicule of law or wanting to promote the breaking of such a law. Right. You know, that all makes sense, even though I, you know, the, the First Amendment's kind of in my ear saying, hey, Say whatever you want, but <laughs> right, uh, right. But the lowering standard, lowering the moral standards of those who see it. Like what? Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny that you kind of talk about the First Amendment because actually I didn't exactly like explicitly explicitly put it in here, um, but there was something back in 1915 with the Supreme Court that was kind of involved with the decision saying that with movies being such in public eye and public demand. That freedom of speech is somewhat limited on that because, you know, obviously society, societal standards back in the day, they kind of said that the freedom of speech of movies 
can be limited to a certain degree. Right. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of like, but even then, it just doesn't make any sense because who is it to make my moral standards set in a certain way? Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of a weird gray. Well, it's kind of a weird fine line because, you know, you're right. Who's whose morals are you trying to convey? Like, you know, who's making the decision and, you know, then also who's it's kind of up in the air as far as how that's enforced as well. So it's, there is such a huge gray area in all of this. Um, It seems like it's just kind of an arbitrary decision process. Right. (laughs) So moving on to the second part um, was a set of, quote, particular applications, which was an exacting list of items that could absolutely could not be depicted. Um, some restrictions, such as the ban on homosexuality or on the use of specific curse words, uh, were never directly mentioned, but they were assumed to be understood without clear demarcation. Right. So they were kind of like, <laughs> if this makes you think twice, you probably shouldn't do it. Exactly. So that's adding that's adding to the already very gray area in here. Now we have to assume from very vague uh, statutes that you can't do things like how do you assume (laughs) (laughs) which which that pretty much forces people to if you have to make an assumption, then you better err on the side of not getting in trouble, too. Right, exactly. Because yeah. you're just never really sure. If you're never really sure, then you, you, you probably not. You probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Signed, sealed, delivered. There you go. Yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I, I just, uh, I don't know. Like, I, we've we've said it multiple times. Like, we we, I feel like we both 100 percent understand the reasoning behind all of this stuff. But it just seems like it was just done in such a goofy way. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <clears throat> like, I want to know the kind of repercussions in terms of if something came out that defined these, like, defied the laws. Are they just going to pull the reels from every movie and just don't show it? Or they probably had to be, before they could even get the money to be mass produced by companies, they probably had to be screened. Well, from the way it sounded, yeah, yeah well, obviously someone has to sit there and watch it and deem it. I'm doing air quotes right now. Acceptable. Yeah. You right. Know? right. <laughs> um, but before that, it seemed like, you know, they, who was it? Hayes had to basically give direct approval to the producer after he described the plot to him. Right. But so, even then it's like, you know, I can make whatever I want when Hayes is away. When Hayes is away. The producers will play. Play. Yeah. There we go. Okay. That works. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I mean, yeah, that's true. I, I would assume that if you're already getting in trouble for some of this nonsense stuff, if you do that, like, hey, I'm going to make a movie about this and then totally not do that and make something else, I would assume you'd be yeah. in, like, deep trouble. Well, I'll just make it a black market movie, man. There you go. That's the way to do a it. BMM. Which I would... Ah, we don't really, we didn't really cool talk about, about that, but I would imagine that there that was probably a thing. Absolutely. Maybe that's kind of where the whole like B movie 
kind of stuff started, you know, <laughs> like B grade movie. Yeah, maybe. I I don't really know. I we'll have to look into that. Coming up with show topics filmed. right here mid show. Right, filmed <laughs> in the sewers of New York City. <laughs> wow, what's his name? William Will B Hayes was on vacation. Starring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I thought you were about to say starring Will B Hayes. No, no. I was just saying. And then just do like impersonations. <laughs> That's beautiful. All right, you want to take us into the decline of the code? Heck yeah, man. Rounding out the next uh, couple parts of this episode, decline of the code. Hollywood continued to work within the confines of the production code throughout the 1950s, but during this time, it was kind of fringe um, and kind of pushing the boundaries uh, with the movie industry was faced with very serious competitive threats. Uh, These threats came from new technology such as television, which did not actually require Americans to leave their house to watch moving pictures. Uh, Hollywood needed to offer the public something it could get not on television, but which itself was under an even more restrictive censorship code than movies. So... With the the other threats of like foreign films not being restricted by these codes, American films were trying to be like, well, how can we push the boundaries so people would be excited to see something in theaters? Like something that they can't just get on the Flintstones or something like that. You know, like something that is unique to the moving pictures and the movie theaters um, and that people would want to seek to see. So this is why movies started to get away and kind of defy the code and they kind of said it, well, we're just too big now, it doesn't matter. So as the 1950s continued, more explicit and fringe movies appeared such as Anatomy of a Bur- Anatomy of a Murder in 1959, Suddenly Last Summer, the same year, Psycho in 1960 and The Dark at the Top of the Stairs in 1961. Um, and then some directors actually found ways to actually get around the code guidelines, which I think this is absolutely brilliant, kind of following like those those loopholes to like make it more, you know, suggestive in a way to audiences, but still within the code. So um, an example of this is actually in Alfred Hitchcock's 1946 film Notorious, where he worked around the rule of only three second kissing <laughs> on screen, only by having the two actors break off every 30 seconds. So they'd like make out for every 30 three seconds. seconds. And then, oh, three seconds. Sorry. I said 30. How funny would that be? <laughs> 30 seconds of just freaking um, kissing. Okay, so it's three-second kissing. So every every three seconds, they'd break off, and then they'd start kissing again after the break-off. And there was actually a two-and-a-half minutes of this in the film of kissing for three seconds and then not kissing and then kissing some more for two-and-a-half minutes. That's nuts. <laughs> but that's yeah. kind of how they got around the code, which was kind of cool. Yeah, and that, that just shows you how... <clears throat> how subjective and how meaningless a lot of these rules were when they were so easily circumvented like that. Right. Three second rule. Oh, but you can get around that by just breaking it up every three seconds. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like what, what is that? Like, I just don't get it. How, How funny would that be if that was still a thing today though? Oh, there's no way. There's no way. (laughs) <laughs> you see it, every movie made in the last 20 years no way right right longer they than actually that lower, actually lower it down to two seconds yeah so that's great uh, the code getting abandoned um, by the late 1960s enforcement had become <laughs> absolutely impossible 
uh, and the production code was pretty much ban- uh Well, actually, it was abandoned entirely. Um, the MPAA film rating system went into effect on November 1st of 1969 uh, with the four rating symbols. Uh, G meaning suggested for general exhibition, uh, persons of all ages admitted. Uh, M means suggested for mature audiences. Some material may not be suitable for children under 12. Um, This, of course, was rated to PG-13. and also later with the addition of PG in general, um, which is, of course, parental guidance under age of 13 and also just PG being parental guidance in general for basically any minor. Right. Um, R uh, meaning suggested as restricted. Um, children under 16 must be accompanied by an adult. Which... There's kind of a weird overlap there with PG. Yeah. I'm, it's more of, it's got the same restrictions as to, you know, how you can get in to see the movie, but it more, it kind of breaks up like what the parents would, it could expect to see in the movie. Like uh-huh. you have to go with them to a PG or an R movie, but you can expect PG to be a little lighter than an R movie. Right. If that yeah. makes like sense. Right, like a superhero movie, you know, like PG, PG-13, uh, and then you take them to Saw, and then their head gets ripped off, and then, you know, like that kind of thing. Right. So it's like you got to go with them anyway. three-second kissing, so you better be careful. Right. Right. <laughs> um, with, of course, X meaning extremely graphic, um, which we don't really see in the mainstream very much, uh, at least right. nowadays we don't. Right, because I mean, you can just freely get X-rated things on the interwebs, so not that it's right now. It's not really a mainstream <laughs> movie theater kind of thing anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. And then um, now that blockbusters are gone, you can't go in the back, so it's okay. Yeah, there's no back room to the movie, the movie stores. <laughs> right, which I'm pretty sure, like they purposely put the squeakiest doors on those back rooms constantly, <laughs> like so everyone in the whole store knows you're there. Well, yeah, that, not that I've been there. That, I, I've never been back there. But. That and uh, it's not there anymore, but I can't remember what the chain was uh, in Ashland. Oh, don't remember. Anyway, movie store. Uh, they had cameras <laughs> in the back room. No way. Because there was a substantial problem of people going back there either by themselves or with multiple people <laughs> uh, fooling around. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah, and so I, I, I don't think that led to them putting cameras up, but they had cameras up preventatively. And right. yeah, they were yeah. It was not oh it was not God. hard to figure out who was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so freaking funny. Yeah, that that's great. That's kind of that's kind of the main headlines that we ever get. Here in Ashland. Oh my god, like you just see somebody pick up a case and then they just flip it over and they're just going to town based on the images on the case. That is 100% exactly what was happening. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Some of the time, most of the time, don't they even like blur out or they like censor the images on top of the case sometimes? I, don't, I never been back there because I knew what <laughs> okay, kind of shady right. stuff. 
<laughs> yeah. No, I've never been back. Oh, my God. There's actually a bottle of hand sanitizer, so then that way you can just put that on before you start looking around. Ew. <laughs> okay. Uh, any means, that is the end of episode 89. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us. It means a ton to have you here with us. As always, you can find us on your favorite podcasting apps or destinations, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, We're out there. If you like what you hear, please leave us a kind five-star review. Take a few minutes, not even just a minute, just a couple seconds of your time. Let us know what you enjoy down in the review comment section on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get that. We would love to hear from you also. Feel free to give us an email about anything you feel fancy about. Anything. Uh, YoungNostalgiaPod at gmail.com. Even an anecdote about when you went your first time into the back room of a video <laughs> rental store. Let us know how the experience was and what movie you got. That would mean a ton, and we'll share the stories. And you, you know what? Rock. If that guy that's going into the – if that guy that got in trouble going <laughs> into the back room, go ahead and give us an email too and let us know how that worked <laughs> yes. out for you. Yes. <laughs> Maybe they even gave you a complimentary VHS tape of you going to town in the back room. Yeah, maybe they gave you a copy of it. (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. I think that brings us to an end of another fabulous episode. Two weeks in a row, it feels good, huh? Yeah, we're we're on a streak. Can Can two in a row be a streak? Well, we used to have eight in a row, so we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> As we always say here on Young Nostalgia, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>